Looks like we got a little light outage over on this side. You guys feel okay over there? Kind of comforting, soothing. Good morning. So glad that you're here this morning. And we're continuing our series entitled The Circle Maker. But before we jump into that this morning, hey, everything that you need to know about what's happening here at City Church is right inside this bulletin. Or you can go to our website, orlandocitychurch.com, and Pastor Tom is upgrading that, working on it. We'll be receiving our connection card and our offering at the end of the message this morning. But just one thing I wanted to mention, that our middle, our middle schoolers just got back from camp, and our high schoolers will be going to camp tomorrow. So you have a high school student, you know a high school student, we have about 30 young people that will be spending a week at camp. You pray for them this week, they come back fired up, filled up, and ready to go for God. Amen? Camps are a great way for kids to experience the presence of God in an awesome, awesome way. Our, our, our series is based off the book entitled The Circle Maker. We've been doing small groups uh, over the last three weeks. We'll be continuing this Wednesday night here in our small group. If you're part of a small group at someone's house, I would encourage you to stay on that. I've gotten some great, great, great reports. I, I would ask you this morning if you've had something specifically during this series that you've been praying about. And I, I hope that you've had at least one thing that you've put in your circle. We had about 16 people here at prayer meeting last night, and we just formed a circle. And I said, has anyone here got enough guts to throw something in the circle that we can pray for tonight? And uh, we, we just started praying. We prayed for people's uh, family members that were lost. We, we prayed for people that had physical needs. We just we went after it last night. We had a great time with God. And so this whole concept, this whole concept of prayer and really praying and believing that God has something great for you, it's not new. It's as old as the Bible. And this morning I'm going to preach on Daniel and the lion's den. I'm, I've titled my message, Taming the Lion. Everyone say, Taming the Lion. I'm going to talk about taming the lion. And, and sometimes we think the, t- the lions are external, and sometimes they are, but sometimes the lions that we face are internal. They're right inside of our own hearts. You have a, a handout this morning, and uh, that will help you to follow along. If you have your little iPhone or your, your Android phone, you can go to your phone, and you can turn on your little Bible app, and like we've shown you the last couple of weeks, you can click on it, and you can go to the Version app, and uh, you click on live events. And under live events, you can put in the zip code of the church, 32773, or you can type in Sanford. And uh, if you type in the zip code, we're the second one that comes up this morning, and you can click on it. And right there, you can follow along with the message. There's the scripture verses. Uh, there's a place for you to give online. Last week, we had a couple of people actually give online right in the middle of the service. So that's how cool is that? Everyone say, cool. So we are trying to move to the 21st century here. You can follow along on your phone. If you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture this morning. They're both found in the book of Daniel, and they're both about the man Daniel and his prayer life. The first one we're going to look at this morning is Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 17 and 18. And then we're going to skip over to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 10 and 11. Daniel chapter 2, beginning with verse number... Let's read verse number 17 as an introduction. And the Bible says, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, during the, night 
the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then I want you to turn over to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 10 and 11. And the Bible says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Say that with me, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Let's ask God for help this morning. Lord, I pray that you will help us. I pray that your grace is here for every person to hear. God, for I believe this morning you have called each of us to a great destiny, to a great purpose, and to a great plan. And Lord, I pray life over every person. I thank you for those that took their time this morning to gather with all the believers and to hear from you. And Lord, this is, a, this is a solemn moment. This is a moment where we examine our hearts and we allow the word to penetrate. We allow your word, words from heaven, to come and bring transformation into our heart. And God, I thank you that you do help those who ask. And I pray for the hearers today, but I also pray for myself. I need your grace one more time. Lord, I pray that I will say exactly what you want me to say. God, that you will speak to your people through me. I need your help today, Jesus. And I ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. Our definition of a circle maker is this. A person who is relentless in praying through until God shows his answer for a particular situation or problem. A circle maker is a person who is relentless in praying through until God shows his answer for a particular situation or problem. I have a big idea this morning I hope to convey to you. A thought that I hope gets into your heart this morning. A lifetime of committed private prayer produces a life, a personal and public victory. A lifetime of committed private prayer produces a life of personal and public victory. There are many lessons that we can take this morning from the, from the story of Daniel and the lion's den. It's probably one of the most famous Sunday school stories. Every kid likes that whole concept of this guy being tossed into the pit with lions. I mean, you can kind of picture in your mind. You can kind of see it. You know, there's this group of guys. Uh, there's, a, there's a group of guys. They throw this guy into a pit. And you can kind of see maybe a little bit of a struggle. And, and then there's these hungry lions. You know, it's just kind of what the stuff movies is made of, right? And then Batman escapes. And then, you know, <laughs> right? And then Superman somehow escapes. And Well, in our story, Daniel is a story that, not just a story, it's actually the telling of a man's history of a man's personal account and relationship with God. And I, the first thing that I want us to look at this morning as we look at Daniel's life, and many people have expounded on the book of Daniel. It's one of the most fascinating books in the Old Testament because it's a book, it's called, in, in the canon of literature, it's called a, a, um, prophetic. It's prophetic scriptures. or It's scriptures that have to deal with things that will come at the end of times. And so this passion of, passion of Scripture, this, this portion of the Bible has been studied by people for thousands of years with lots of interpretations. But I want us to zero in this morning. I want us to focus this morning on the life of this one man, Daniel. 
When we look at the life of Daniel, we see that his name literally means a man who, a man who is God is my judge. A man who says God is my judge. His ministry spans over a period of 70 years. When I read Daniel chapter 2 and the story in Daniel chapter 2 is that the king gets this dream and, and he's looking for someone to interpret the dream. In Daniel chapter 2, the Bible tells us that Daniel's a very young man. He's probably 19 years of age. By the time we fast forward and read the story of Daniel in the lion's den, he's somewhere between the ages of 80 and 90. A 60 to 70 year span between the ages of 19 and 80. That's a huge span in a person's life. That's how the Bible fast forwards. It's like you got your finger on the little button on your DVD and you, just, you fast forward through a guy's life 60 years. And you see this characteristic of Daniel's life over and over. Daniel was a man of prayer. He came into this place and station of life because he was taken as a slave by the Babylonians. The prophet Jeremiah, some 20 to 30 years before Daniel was born, had a word. He had a word for the people of Israel. And he said, listen, guys, if you don't repent, if you don't stop living your life the way that you live it, bad things are going to happen. Some really bad things are going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come down. They're going to overthrow Jerusalem. They're going to take you all away. And you're going to be held as slaves. But it's not going to be forever. It's only going to be for a short period of time. Actually, it's only going to be for 70 years. And Daniel was born within the lifetime of Jeremiah. And as you read through the book of Daniel, what you begin to see is that Daniel believed the words of Scripture. He believed the words of the prophet. He believed them so much that when he prayed, he prayed for a preferred future. He prayed to a God who he knew that the captivity of his people was only going to be for a certain period of time. You know what that tells me? Daniel knew God. Daniel believed. He didn't just believe this book or these scrolls or these letters or these words were just to be put off in the corner that not to be understood. He believed that these words had the power of God's himself in them. The life of God. The Hebrew language in the Jewish culture, among the conservative rabbis, they actually believe that the Hebrew is the very language of the Lord. They actually believe that. They believe that every shape of every letter was determined by God and is significant and has meaning. I'm not going to take it that far, but there's a reverence that they have to the Word of God. They believe it. And Daniel was a man of God. And he believed the words of Scripture. He believed the words of the prophet. And so when we look at Daniel's life, it's really not a mystery. It's not a mystery, although he has some mysterious things that he says. Nine of the twelve chapters of the book of Daniel have to do with dreams, with a prophetic vision that God gives him. If you start to read the book of Daniel, and a lot of Christians, when they first get saved, the first two books of the Bible they want to read are the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. Because everyone wants to know how it ends. Well, while we're reading through the book of Daniel, I want to give you the life of this man. I want to give you the heart of this man. All throughout his life, we see he's characterized by certain things. First, he's characterized by a simple faith in God. He simply believes He's a man without compromise. In Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's foods. See, the king's foods had been, had been sacrificed to idols. 
and the wine and the things that they drank made them made them lazy. And the way that they ate, they they were they overate and and they were gluttons and and they lived a life of luxury. And Daniel said, "I'm not going to live that kind of life." He purposed. He made a determination in his heart that he was not going to live like the world. He was going to live a different kind of life. He was a man of great courage. He had no fear of man. He had no fear of man because he feared God. Because of his fear of God, because he had no fear of man when he worked, his work was excellent. Daniel chapter 6, the first couple of verses that talks about this excellent spirit that was in him. Daniel actually in his lifetime of 70 years, 70 years of public life, he actually served at least in four different administrations, four different kingdoms he ruled in. He was powerful. Even as a young age, he was noted to be a person of of significance and prominence. But the greatest legacy that Daniel leaves us today is that he lives a life of dedicated prayer. The greatest legacy that Daniel gives us today is that he lives a life of dedicated prayer. And I want, to, I want to speak to you about that this morning. This whole concept of circle maker is about the private prayer that has a public result. Our private prayers, the things that we pray in private with God, will manifest themselves in public. Now, you know our story. If you grew up in the church, you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. You know... You know that Daniel, you know, he's a man of prayer. Because he's a man of prayer, there's some guys that don't like him. So he gets thrown into the lion's den. But I want to back up here just for a moment. And I want to talk about the lion. Because actually for the, the lions that day, it was a really bad day. It was a bad... I mean, if you were a lion that day, it was a real bummer. Because at the end of that day, you were still going to be hungry. It was a blessing for Daniel, but it was a bummer for the lions. You see, Daniel won. He defeated the lions. How do you tame the lions? You know, lions in the Bible are used frequently. Peter actually says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, chapter 5, verse 8, Peter says this, Satan is like a roaring lion, or your adversary is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is like a roaring lion, and he's come to kill, steal, and to destroy. If you have death in the spiritual realm, If you have all this adversity and conflict and divorce and brokenness in your life, it's a direct result of Satan trying to destroy you. Satan hates you and has a terrible plan for your life. He's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Division, strife, anger, war, hatred, lust are all fruits of the enemy's work in our life. They're all fruits of it. They're all fruits of it. And his purpose is to destroy God's creation. And then when you become a follower of God, when you say yes to Jesus, man, he double barrels. He locks in on you. He wants to destroy the design and the destiny for which God created you. And he allows or he sends lions into your life. Listen, Jesus had a lion called the devil come to tempt him to bring destruction to his life. If Jesus did, how much more you? Jesus was God himself. Satan came to him and Jesus said, there was nothing in me, nothing in me that wanted to follow his plans. But we have a problem. We have a sin nature. We have a nature that is attracted to sinful behavior. We have a nature that's deceived. 
We have a nature that's easily pulled away from the design and the plan that God has for us. So all of us have different lines. Maybe we can identify them like this. You know, one of the lines that some people have is the line of fear. It's a line of fear. It keeps you paralyzed. It keeps you in doubt. You've ever met someone who's fearful about their future? They're afraid to step out. I remember that feeling of being afraid to go to college. I was afraid. I did terrible as a student in high school. And, and I always tell people, they, just, they, they literally wanted to get me out of that high school. They never wanted me to come back again. And so they pushed me out the door. I, I never really learned how to study as a young person. And, and so when I got this desire to go to school, I was afraid of failure. Some people are so afraid of failure that they'll never take the next step. I don't really want to take that promotion. I don't really want that job because it means more responsibility. And more responsibility means more potential for failure. That's what it means for a lot of people. A lot of people just want to do a little task and settle in in a little place because they're afraid of taking the next step. They're afraid of what the future might look like. A lot of people, they have the line of worry. I have a cousin, and he is a, by his own confession, he is a worry wart. He worries about everything. And he worries, I mean, he just wor- I mean, I mean, he's got money, he's, you know, I mean, but it doesn't matter. Because when you have the spirit of worry, you have a spirit of anxiousness. And if you're not worried about yourself, you're worried that the nuclear bomb's gonna go off. I mean, you know, you just there's something to cause you to be fearful and afraid and to have worry. And the more you watch Fox News and CNN News and MSNBC News and the more you watch all these different Meet the Depressed and Slay the Nation, the more you watch all these different programs, the more full of worry you get. I mean, it's just the result of it. I mean, there's good news and there's bad news. i got to tell you, there's good news today. There's good news today. You can defeat your lions. Everyone said amen. amen. Oh, there's the lion of unfairness. That allows bitterness to creep into people's hearts. That's not fair. That's not fair, God. That's not right, God. A line of unfairness, a, a sense of entitlement, a sense that this shouldn't happen to me. There's a line of persecution that maybe you've experienced as a believer in the job site. You know, you go to work and you're trying to live your life for Christ. And the moment you make a public profession, the moment that people know that you're a Christian on your job, you're held to a different standard. Come on, isn't that, if you really, if you, if you are not held to a different standard in your job, you know what that means? You haven't told someone yet you're a Christian. You haven't stepped out there and said, you know what, I'm a Christian. Because the moment you're a Christian, now, if you just live like everybody else and you say you're a Christian, yeah, they just kind of brush it off. That's just that religious stuff. But the moment you try to live by the values and the purposes and the designs of God, and you don't, there's certain things that you don't do because you have greater things to do. So it's not about what you don't do. It's about the greater good and design that God has called you to. The moment you take that step, persecution comes. People tease you, make fun of you, think you're funny, think you walk funny. Say some, and some people, you know, then maybe they'll apologize. I told my wife the other day, uh, someone asked me what I did, and I just, I hated to tell them because the moment that I tell them what I do, the moment that I tell them what they do. I mean, one moment I was with this guy and he's blank this and this. And I told my wife, I said, if you took the curse words out of his vocabulary, he wouldn't have anything left to say. I mean, there was nothing for him to say. It was like every other word. And I said, you know, it was really funny. The moment 
he said, what do you do? I said, ah, I pastor that church. Oh, pastor, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm like, dude, man, it's all right, man. Just go ahead, no problem. I ain't your judge. <laughs> you know, and that's what the world has relegated Christianity to. Rather than this vibrant, passionate relationship where we're overcoming, where we are taming our lives where we're seeing God, because of our private prayer, do things publicly that there's no way else to explain. We're seeing in the secret moments when we're alone with God and we're pouring out our hearts and we're we're pouring out our complaints and we're touching the throne of heaven and we're bombarding God and we're calling unto Him and we're doing all the things that we've talked about in the circle maker that God rewards us publicly. There's a public reward. So I don't know what your lion is today. Some people have a a poverty lion. There's a really, there was a really wealthy, wealthy guy. He died in the last year. He's very famous. He started a tech business that's become one of the most famous tech, business, tech businesses in the world. His company has amassed in a fortune in cash of over $95 billion. He died recently. When I was listening to his story, it was all over the, it was all over the world. They produced television specials about it. As I was listening to his story, I realized that this guy had a poverty mindset. He had all the wealth and all the riches of the world, but his mindset was one of poverty when it came to sharing his wealth with those stockholders who who held a portion of his company. He never wanted to give it up. When it came to doing good deeds and projects and helping other people, and actually I read one guy recently said, in a hundred years, his name will never be remembered because he didn't do anything with all that that wealth. You see, why? How How much can you have? How much can you hoard? See, it's not about how much money you have that determines if you have a poverty mindset. It's the way you feel inside. Because I've been broke before. I've been really broke. I've been really, really, really broke. But inside, I wasn't poor. Because I knew that wasn't how I was going to stay. I'm not going to live with that kind of mindset. I'm not going to cheat on the time clock. I'm not going to fudge on my taxes. I'm going to give my tithe. When I make 100 bucks this week and we're, bare, and we're still sleeping on a sleeping bag, I'm going to give my tithe and I'm going to give my missions. You know why? Because I'm not poor. I'm rich. I'm a king's kid. I have a different mindset. I, I don't have this lion of, of poverty living inside of me. So many believers have a lion of poverty living inside of them. But see, you can tame that lion. You can be victorious in that line. There's three things that I want to share with you this morning. Three things that I want you to hear about the life of Daniel. The first one is that Daniel enlisted his friends to pray with him. Daniel enlisted his friends to pray with him. The second thing is Daniel continued to pray in spite of opposition. And the third thing this morning I want to talk about is Daniel's private prayer had a very public reward. First thing I want you to, we've already established, but I want you to see this in Daniel chapter 2. I want you to see at the age of 19, we already see that Daniel is a man of prayer. At a very young age, he's purposed in his heart that he's going to serve God. There's, I love what God has done in this church over the last five or six years. You know why I love it? Because what's happened in my home. You know what I wake up to every morning? I wake up to uh, a preacher in Louisiana uh, uh, Stockstill, with Joel Stockstill. I wake up to Joel Stockstill. I wake up to Judah Smith. I wake up to Israel Houghton. I wake up to Hillsong United. I, every single day in my house for the last six years, I've woken up to two young men who have set their hearts after God. 
And I wake up and I hear preaching. I'm trying to watch a television program. And my son's out on the piano and he's playing worship music and singing and praising. And, and, and I grow up and I've been in that atmosphere. And I say, thank God. I said, thank God that I had a young man who was 19 years of age that couldn't preach his way out of a paper box, but he had bright flaming red hair, but he had one thing, and that was a passion for Jesus. And he came into this church, and he's begun to lead hundreds of young people into a relationship with God. And this community and city will never be the same. My family will never be the same. Someone said, amen. Listen, you can raise your children, but the choice is yours. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Parent, I'm speaking to parents. The, it, it, this isn't just happen on accident. You make some determinations in your family about what you allow, about what you do, and what you don't do. You make some choices, your own personal choices. Because, listen, I can't make my kids read the Bible. I can't make my kids go to church. I mean, you know, I can put a lot of pressure on them, even today. But the choice, my kids could be like a lot of preacher's kids who sit in the back row and can't wait till the service is over, who sit out in the parking lot with some of the kids around on the outer fringes. But in our family, in our life, we have a passion for Jesus. And we are far from perfect. We make, I mean, I share with you guys, we're not even close. There's things that we do that aren't right. And I said something wrong this week. And I mean, it happens. It happens. But our heart is bent towards God. And at the age of 19, Daniel purposed in his heart that he was going to go after God. Daniel built his life on prayer. He built his life on prayer. And he has this problem come into his life. It's a big problem. How many of you have had a problem come into your life before? Come on. You've had a problem. You know, and some, and, and listen, if you don't have a problem right now, don't worry. You will real soon. I mean, it ain't if you're going to have problems. You are going to have problems. It's just life happens. It does happen to everybody. It happens. Stuff happens to you. And you've got to make a determination. And Daniel's problem was a big problem because there was this king and he said, i got a bad dream and if someone doesn't tell me my dream and what it means, all you little guys out there that practice preaching, all you little preacher boys out there that do the little voodoo and the magic and the shazam as a wham. Listen, if you don't tell me what my dream is and the interpretation, off with your heads. I mean, it's real simple. All right, preacher boys, line up. Tell me, wait, wait, that ain't fair, king. You got to tell, tell us what the dream is first. No, 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 no. You guys, you'll manipulate it and tell me what I want to hear. No, no, I want you to tell me. You're so smart. You got a connection with God. You tell me what it means. Whoo. Daniel's 19. He's like, wow. I can't, I, I can't figure this one out. And, and so he actually goes and he buys some time. He stalls a little bit. I, I call it the great stall. Someone sent me a check this week, and uh, they, were, they owed me some money. And they sent me a check, and they didn't sign their signature to the check. You know what that's called? That's called the great stall. I've been, <laughs> I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. I mean, come on, bro. I got on the phone. Hey, brother, appreciate you, man. Love you. God has a wonderful plan for your life, but I want my money. <laughs> come on, it's a stall. Hey, king, let's slow down here. Let me, you know, let me go and ask God. No one can tell you what it is, but I know the one who does. And so he goes and he gets his friends. He enlists his friends in prayer. He enlists. That's why prayer meetings are so powerful. That's why having two or three really close friends you talk to on the phone that you can join together. I call it the prayer of agreement. Jesus said that very thing. He said, would two or three come together in my name in agreement on anything? 
I will do what they ask. There is power. One will put a thousand, two will put ten thousand. We were praying last night for City Church for a hundred intercessors, a hundred people that will pray in the secret place for breakthrough for this church, that will pray for the Millennium Campus to experience breakthrough. There's a stirring in our heart. There's a passion to see what only God can do in this church, in this city, in this community. And we're praying last night, and we're believing, and I'm believing, because I know the prayer of agreement. I know the power what happens when believers get sold out, get fired up, give God everything in their life. They'll never regret it. So Daniel has this pattern. He goes to his friends, and listen, their prayer, he urged them, he strongly urged them. He encouraged them. We don't always feel like praying. Isn't that right? We don't always feel like praying. Sometimes you look at your problem, and it looks so big, and it looks like, I don't know, I just want to go back to bed. And that's when you need to call someone up. Someone who maybe, and just and hope when you call them up, they're not having one of the moments like you. And if they are, just hang up and call somebody else. <laughs> I've learned, well, this is what I've learned over the last few years, and I've, I've been doing this for a long time, but I've really gotten focused on this last couple. When I start to feel like that, like I don't want to pray, I just don't want to, you know what I do? I start praying for all the people on my phone. I have my phone broken into different categories. And, you know, i got city church leadership, and i got city church friends, and i got ministry friends, and I have like five different categories that I have my phone list broken into. And I just open up one of the lists, and I just start praying. And all of a sudden, man, all the things that I'm feeling, I don't feel like it, I start praying. And sometimes guys will get texts from me. And then almost every time someone gets a text from me like that, it's because I was praying for you. I was, my, your name came across, and I just started praying over your family. And I'll tell you, something happens when you come into an agreement. And because you, you know, I know that everyone feels it. I'm feeling it. You've got to feel it. And so we start praying for one another. And we start becoming a house of prayer. And we start enlisting our friends and our local church to pray with one another. And God starts doing great things. And I've been hearing miracles of what people, someone told me a miracle that happened this week in their life. And I don't want to share it yet because I want them to share it as a result of them praying and believing. But enlisting their friends. So we've established that Daniel is this man of prayer. The second thing that I want you to see is that Daniel prayed in spite of serious opposition. In spite of serious opposition. In Daniel chapter 6, I want you just to turn in your Bible with me. But the first couple of verses talk about Daniel's position. It talks about his promotion in the kingdom. It talks about how Daniel was promoted in a kingdom that wasn't the kingdom of God. He was taken into captivity. He was a slave. But because Daniel was a man, I want you to look at verse number 3 with me. The Bible says in verse number 3, Now Daniel distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional, everyone say exceptional, his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Uh, the King James actually uses the word an excellent spirit. There was an excellent spirit. It's a moral excellence. It's a, a virtue. He was a man of excellence. And if you just read back in the beginning of the book of Daniel, you see the kind of man of excellence he was. He knew about the politics of his day. He knew the, about the economics of his day. He knew about the spiritual realities that he lived in. He knew how to manage people. He knew how to lead people. He was a man that had an excellent spirit. And if you have the spirit of God in you today, you have the same potential to have that excellent spirit in you. Someone said amen. A young man came to me yesterday and was telling me about someone that they were working with. And he said, this guy had a foulest mouth. 
cussing all the time. Always cussing and this and that and blank this. All this anger. And he said a couple of weeks ago, he went to a revival service. Went to this revival service. And in this revival service, he got good saved. He got saved so that now people hardly could understand what he was saying because he didn't cuss any longer. And now he reads his Bible. And now he's got an attitude change. I see, that only happens because the Spirit of God dwells in you. And Daniel was a man of an excellent spirit. They might not always like you. Listen, when I was working out there in restaurants and I got good saved, listen, the guys didn't always like me, but they respected me. Because I made a choice to serve God. I made a choice to serve God. And you allow that excellent spirit to guide you and direct you and keep you from doing dumb things. God will promote you. And Daniel finds himself promoted in this kingdom. Listen, these guys weren't believers. Sometimes people say, well, I just wish I could be in full-time ministry. No, you don't. Listen, you're only going to do this. You're only going to do this if you know that you know that you know you can do absolutely nothing else. Because I don't know how to tell you this, but there are challenges that you cannot see from looking from where you're at. There are challenges because the greatest challenge is me. I mean, the greatest challenge and opposition that I face is myself. And so I'm just telling you today, it ain't any easier going out into the work world. At least in the work world, you kind of know where the lines are. Kind of know, you know, what you, you really know what you should do. And when you end up in full-time ministry, it just all gets blurry. Everybody's supposed to be saved, and nobody cusses. And if they cuss, it's like, whoa, brother, he's got, really got a problem. You know, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Daniel was a man of excellent spirit. But he had people who wanted to destroy him. He had these men that want, they were full of envy and jealousy. Look at verses 4 through 9. The Bible actually says these guys, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. He was disciplined in everything that he did. But he had some enemies. Listen, if you serve God, you will have enemies. You will have enemies in your life. But Daniel had the right kind of enemies. Sometimes, you know, these enemies aren't just people. Some of the biggest enemies that we have in our spiritual life in pursuit of God is laziness. We're being lazy. Sometimes that's busyness. We're so busy in our culture. We're doing this and doing that. This busyness robs us. You've woken up in the morning. We've all done it. Boy, we wake up and we know that we really need to spend time with the Lord. But we've got so much to do today. We think we can do it without Him. And that's what we say. When we get up in our day and we run up onto our day without spending time with God, you know, we're saying, God, I can do this without you today. And I don't know about you, but I can't do this without God. But, you know, every a couple, you know, and every, and it just all the time. But the times that this happens in my life, man, I say it wrong that day. I act, I do it. I mean, I just, even I'm doing it every day, and I still do it wrong. How much more? We need him today. Daniel establishes this life of prayer. Look at verse number 10 and 11. I want you to see this. This is the prayer life of this man. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, these guys were his enemies. They went to the king. They said, King, listen, there's this... You know, you're so wonderful. You're so great. Let's make a proclamation that for 30 days, you're God. How about that? Playing God for 30 days. My goodness. Morgan, Morgan whatever the guy's name, Morgan Freeman, he ain't not. I mean, there, I mean no, none of us can play God. And this builds this guy's pride up. Hey, that sounds great. Yeah, I really am wonderful. I am the king. 
I'm wonderful, aren't I? So he gets everybody, he makes his decree. 30 days, no one worships any other God. And then Daniel, verse number 10. And when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home upstairs to his room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. So we see him praying as a 19-year-old one time. And then we see him as an 80-year-old man praying three times. Three times in a day. And the posture of his prayer. He isn't just standing now. Now he's kneeling. And he's faced east towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem was his mother city, his mother country. Israel was his homeland. Jerusalem was his home city. And he has the words of the prophet Jeremiah rolling through his mind. He has the words of the prophet Jeremiah rolling through his mind. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts to give you hope and a meaning and a purpose. Not to harm you, not to bring you evil, but to do you good. And those words, as he's praying towards Jerusalem three times a day, he's praying for people. He's praying for circumstances. We don't even know what he's praying for, but we know he's a man of God. And he's a man of the Spirit. He's a man of the Spirit. And he's a man of prayer. And he's praying. That's the prayer life of this man. In spite of all the opposition, he just does what he always does. In spite of the discouragements, in spite of the frustrations, in spite of the pain, in spite of the hurt today, do what you've always done. Do what you've always done. If you're a person of prayer, keep praying. The psalmist said there was these two tribes. They were Ephraim and Manasseh. And when the battle came, when the war came, when they looked at their opposition, when they looked at their problems, and they looked at the lion, they said they're too big, and they laid them down, and they ran. Now, you got a choice today. Daniel did what he always did. He went and he began to pray, and he began to call on the God of heaven. And when the lions come into your life, I want to challenge you today. Do the right thing. The right thing is to humble yourself before God. It isn't necessarily kneeling, although I believe kneeling is an act of humility. humility. I believe uh, there's something powerful about getting on the side of your bed and just kneeling before the Lord, your God, your maker. But I want you to know it's more than that. It's the attitude of the spirit. It's the attitude of your heart. I want to ask you today, do your kids know where you pray? Do your kids know where you pray in your home? Do they know? Do your children know that you have a place where you meet with God? Daniel had a place where he met with God. Do you have a place? My mom, I was on the end of her couch. On the end of her couch, 5 o'clock every morning, she was on the end of that couch with her living Bible. Being made fun of my dad because he read the King James and she read the living Bible. And I said, well, at least she lives the Bible. And she'd be there. She'd be praying for her family, praying for her, praying for her inheritance, knowing that her time was short. Praying, believing in the Word. You got a time where you meet with God? Because this whole circle maker thing really is about just pressing in. It's not about your past. It's about your future. It's about your future destiny in God. And the future that you have, the future that every one of us have in God is bright. Because we have a motherland. We have an eternal city. The Bible calls it the New Jerusalem. Daniel calmed the lions. I mean, Daniel's prayers shut the mouth of the lions. Listen today. There is this kingdom reality in our life. That private prayer 
always produces a public reward. When we pray to Him in the secret place. And this is what the public reward is. When the lack of finances come into your life, you're not shaking and throwing in the towel and running all over the place and blabbing about how you never have enough. When sickness comes into your life and you're challenged with a great obstacle, you don't look at your future with fear. You look at it with faith. That whatever your destiny is, whatever your finish is, you know that God is with you. And if God be with you, who can be, a, who can be against you? Listen, you know what this is? You know what this lion that is calm, the mouth that is shut in your life, is that whenever you are a man or a woman of private prayer, when you step out in public, Philippians chapter 4 says, says this, with thanksgiving and praise, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, the shutting of the lion's mouth, the stopping of the enemy's voice, it's shut when the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind beyond all of your human understanding. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But you make a choice. Your private prayer will be rewarded publicly today. Years ago, there was a man by the name of Horatio Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford wrote a song. Powerful song. Song all over the world. It's an old hymn today. It's been around for 140 years. In 1869, Horatio Spafford had a four-year-old boy that died of chickenpox. In 1870, he was a lawyer in the city of Chicago. In 1870, he he'd owned a bunch of properties along Lake Michigan. He was involved in his local church. He was a great church man. He was a friend of a great preacher by the name of D.L. Moody at the time. And in 1870, all of his properties burned under the ground in the great Chicago fire. A couple months later, he sent his wife and his four children over to England to travel with D.L. Moody. And as he, as they were going across the ocean, their liner collided with another liner and his four children died. Four daughters in that boat died. He lost his son, lost all of his possessions and four daughters. He got a telegram back from his wife and it said, saved alone. She was the only one that lived. Out of the five family members that he said under the boat, the only one that lived was his wife. She sent a telegram back entitled Saved Alone. Immediately, he put plans together and he went over to comfort her in England. And on his way over, the captain of the ship stopped about the place where that boat went down. And there with his heart torn apart, broken in grief, he got the words to this song. He got the words to this song that have been sung for generations. It is well, it is well, with my soul it is well it is well with my soul and the words begin to flow and he began to write these words when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul it is well with my soul he shut the mouth of the lion Shut the mouth of the lion. Today I want to uh, talk to you about a lion that's coming to our family. And uh, many of you already know, we've talked about it with several of you. But 11 years ago, my wife was uh, diagnosed with cancer. And God saw us through. We just started City Church. And, and uh, I've shared the story here. God was so merciful to us and, and walked us, carried, literally carried us through that season. And we're so grateful. And over the last four or five years, 
my wife has to go every year for mammograms, and she has to go to her oncologist and, and go to the go to the uh, the surgeon, and they examine the mammograms and they talk about what your strategy is going into the future. And so, about five years ago, they gave my wife some tests, and they said that you have a forty percent chance of reoccurrence of cancer, and uh, very high. Uh, obviously, you know, forty percent chance in the next five years would be like the doc or uh, a person telling you if you drive on I four. In the next five years, you have a 40% chance of having a head-on collision. That's what it's like. You know, and when it first told me that, it kind of, you know, just. So we just processed it, prayed about it, thought about it. And this last year, just a couple months ago, my wife went to see her doctor again. And uh, there was just some things that didn't look quite right. And the doctor said, we really need to do a surgery. We really need to give you what's called a prophylactic double mastectomy. You really need to have it done. And uh, when the doctor told her, she just had something in her heart felt like she really needed to do that. And she came home. And for the you know, last previous five years, I mean, I, I sat there when the doctors had told that, and I just never had any peace about it. When she came home this time, I just, I felt the peace. I felt the peace. It is well with my soul. And so this Tuesday, uh, my wife will be going in uh, for a, uh, a prophylactic double mastectomy. And it's preventive. It's there is no cancer in her body at this time, and we don't ever want cancer to come back. Amen? Come on, amen? I want my wife to come in. Just come up and, just come and join me with this stage here. My wife is a champion for God. She is just so full of faith. And I know, you know, last, I didn't know last night, I know that you know, your mind thinks about the future, but her faith is strong, and our family faith is strong. She's going to have a few weeks. My wife has, has not stopped in uh, 40, 50, whatever, how many years she is. She has not stopped, and she's going to get a little time out here, and uh, God's with us. We have great peace about it, and I just, I would ask you this week just to pray. It's going to be Tuesday at 1 o'clock. And so if you just remember Tuesday at 1 o'clock, you can be in agreement with our family. We will pray with the Lord. I want, to, I want you guys to stretch forth your hands. And Christina is going to come, and she's going to pray over Laura this morning. But I love you guys. And this message is for you. We, we have the same challenges. We have the same lions. We have the same things that you guys experience. I want you to know today it is well with our soul. And then if God be for us, who can be against us? And we love you. And we cover your prayer support. We thank you for loving us and being a wonderful church family. So Christina is going to pray. After Christina prays, ushers, I just will have you, after she prays, I want you to come. We're going to receive our offering this morning. And then we're going to close out in a roaring anthem of it as well with my soul. Christina, will you pray? Lord, I thank you for your supernatural peace, your peace that passes understanding, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you guide us with your peace. So, Lord, we can trust that this is your will at this time. The timing is right. Everything is right, Lord, because they are being led by your peace. So, Father, I pray that your peace would continue to be with both Pastor Eugene and Laura over the next few weeks, Lord, that it would be tangible, that they would be able to feel your peace, Lord, and know that your presence is with them. Lord, we just pray right now for the, for the uh, preparations for the surgery and for the surgery, Lord. Um, Lord, we're just praying that you give extra discernment, 
extra wisdom to the surgeons yes. and to all the people who are involved, Lord, that they would have not only all of the years of their experience, but they would have extra insight that comes right from you, Lord God, that if there's anything else they need to do or not do, they would know it, Lord, that they would be led by you whether they realize they are or not. And Father, we pray for a quick recovery. We pray for fast healing, Lord. Yes, we pray we pray that you yes, would lower yes. the pain level, Lord. We pray supernaturally that you yes. would that you would just lower the pain. I know you can do that, Lord. I have a friend yes, who had a kidney transplant and had no pain. Father, you can do it. We believe it. We just believe it. We believe it. Quick recovery. Lord, I pray for the family. I pray for Pastor Eugene. I pray for Austin and Keenan, Lord, that they would that they would have peace during this, that they would um, have their heart turned toward their mom to serve and to do everything and, and anything, Lord, that they can do. And, Father, we as a church family, we covenant, we agree right now to hold Laura and Pastor up in prayer this week. If, whenever they cross our mind, we're going to stop and we're going to pray. And we thank you, Lord. We believe. We know that you bring the victory. You always lead us in triumph in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that and when this is finished, she won't have to have this on her mind ever again. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And we give you the praise yes, for the victory hallelujah. in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. Let's give hallelujah. It is 